Um, you've probably seen this story. It was uh, about two years ago now, almost two years ago, that two Chinese scientists were fired and escorted out of Winnipeg's National Microbiology Lab. Uh, the Public Health Agency of Canada cited possible breaches in security protocols as the reason for this action they took. And those firings have sparked months of debate and parliamentary squabbling that all culminated in the Conservative Party withdrawing all of their members from a National Security Committee last week, saying that the government is using that committee to cover up whatever incident led to those firings. So let's get a bit of background on what happened and uh, what we know about it and, you know, where we're going to go from here. Joining us now, we have uh, Christian Luprecht. Uh, Christian is a class of 1965 prof at the Royal Military College and a professor in the Department of Political Science and Economics at Queen's University. Uh, Christian, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Good morning. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning here. These two scientists, married couple, working at the Winnipeg Lab, were fired for security breaches. What do we know about exactly what happened and why they were escorted out of that facility? Well, so the presumption had been that this was due to uh, samples that they had dispatched to China on which, depending on sort of what story you believed, it was either they hadn't done the paperwork properly, they hadn't done export control licenses properly, or they hadn't filed proper intellectual property um, paperwork and had thus given that away. But the ministers come out and clearly said that none of those were reasons for their dismissal from the lab, and I had long suspected and speculated publicly uh, that this was an espionage operation. And so, yes, they sent samples, but now it's sort of a broad, a, a, and, and, and that might have been a serious violation, but the broader concern is that uh, uh, they essentially wanted to get domain awareness of what the Canadian lab is capable of, what we're working on, um, and what we're working on with our allies. And uh, biosecurity is, um, is technology that's effectively what we call dual-use technology that can readily be weaponized um, by, uh, by Chinese partners. And so this is why the collaboration with um, uh, Chinese military and uh, security entities is so concerning, uh, disconcerting because uh, we know that China um, has uh, attempts underway to run a fairly significant uh, uh, bioweapons program. And so we appear to have enabled um, uh, some of those developments. Great. Uh, now, in the meantime, there's been a scramble to try and get some clarity around exactly, because like you say, uh, depending on what story you've read or who you've talked to, you're getting different versions about exactly what happened. Um, that's a major issue, isn't it? The fact that we're two years out from this and we still don't know exactly what happened. I mean, why do we not? Why is the government not being forthcoming with that? Well, this is the world of espionage, right? So there's any number of uh, things that might be going on in the background here. So one is that, of course, they might have been um, under surveillance for quite some time, uh, which is often what you do with spies. You just want to watch who are they talking to, what are they, what sort of information are they trying to get their hands on, um, who are they chatting with, and sort of what might be the ultimate purpose of their uh, of their mission. Uh, it could also be that they came under duress, for instance, that they're that they weren't willing collaborators, but their families back in China came under duress from Chinese authorities um, and that they uh, sort of uh, unwillingly started to uh, to collaborate. Um, some of the intelligence likely came from the United States about the um, uh, reliability of, uh, of these two individuals, so the government would not want to disclose the sources and methods uh, by which 
um, they uh, were advised that they might, might pose a, uh, a problem. Um, that might also explain why no charges have been laid. Once you lay charges, then you need to have a trial, and you're going to need to disclose those sources and methods, and the Americans would be extremely unhappy if those showed up in a, um, in a Canadian court of law. And it appears that there's both an ongoing criminal investigation and a security intelligence investigation. And so it could be that the Mounties are in good Mountie fashion, just taking forever to run this investigation because it's hugely complex and they've never really investigated anything of this sort before. But it could also be that um, they've struck a deal with Canadian authorities and have basically turned and uh, that in collaboration with Canadian authorities um, uh, that uh, given how overwhelming the evidence might be against them, uh, they would be confronted with the evidence and given a choice. You can start talking to us and collaborating with us and giving us um, information about your Chinese handlers and so forth um, and in return we'll provide you some degree of protection and um, you know for them this could also be a dicey situation because um, if they indeed are Chinese uh, spies or uh, are in one way or another ended up disclosing information also to Canadian authorities that China would not want disclosed uh, their lives might be in danger and so that might be part of the reason why they haven't been seen or heard from but we've had no charges uh, against them and it appears that um, the Canadian authorities aren't in too big of a rush to track them down um, and they appear not to have left the country which you would think they would um, if they were uh, in Canada under circumstances under which for instance a thousand Chinese scientists left the US uh, last year voluntarily because they wrongly uh, identified um, and disclosed themselves to authorities uh, for the purpose of entering the country to begin with so there's a lot of unanswered questions um, but uh, there might be good reason why uh, the government is trying to keep this uh, reasonably quiet because I think there's um, there's still a number of dots uh, that need to be connected here and this is still very much a hot issue I think in terms of national security and security intelligence. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, so when we hear the Conservative Party put forward a motion to, um, you know, compel them to come and testify and, you know, the head of the public agency uh, come down to the House of Commons and, and give that kind of information and we see them withdrawing from the National Security Committee and, you know, the rest of the opposition MPs in agreement, um, alleging cover-up saying that the government is using this as a cover-up. Maybe it's not a cover-up. Maybe there are legitimate national security reasons for why this is not being fully transparent and, and, you know, efficient, why it's taking so long and we're not getting all the info. There could be legitimate reasons there. Yeah, so look, I have a book coming out on intelligence accountability next month, um, and the government would have known full well that they can't actually move this matter to the National Security Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians because the law explicitly prohibits that committee from taking up any matter that is an active investigation. Okay. 
And so in that regard, um, my interpretation is that this move was always disingenuous to begin with and that the opposition basically just called that out. Um, there was no reason per se for the government not to disclose those documents to committee. Committees have received classified documents in the past um, and um, ultimately uh, the, there, there needs to be accountability somewhere on this file um, and committee members can be prevented from talking about certain aspects of documentation that is disclosed to them. I have full faith that uh, in, in members of parliament that if they are handed um, uh, classified material that they handle that material in, uh, in good faith and will keep uh, the content of that material to themselves um, in terms of the national interest and especially the national security interest. Um, and so um, I think this is more that um, I, I, I do suspect there are elements there are elements of national security and intelligence that the government um, is genuinely concerned about that it wants to shield from uh, from public eyes. But I think there are also elements in here about, uh, for instance, that chances are the lab probably knew a lot sooner than they're letting on about the security potential security issues with these two individuals and that the research culture and the fact that they were research stars took precedent over concerns that CSIS raised and I suspect the documents will show uh, some of those lags, uh, some of those lags in timeline and some of the tensions between the research culture and the national security culture at the National Microbiology Lab um, and I think those could uh, could raise um, could raise some uh, some problematic and contentious uh, could become problematic and contentious for the government look I think the government doesn't want to run if there is a fall election. It doesn't want to run on security issues, defense issues, intelligence issues, or China. And that's why it wants to try to do its best to keep those out of public view. Um, and I think that's unfortunate because we live in a democracy and elections are ultimately about a choice, about continuity or change. And it's unfortunate when the government of the day doesn't want to have a full, transparent conversation uh, to allow Canadians to make an informed choice for themselves. So, Christian, where do we go from here? I mean, we know that the, the opposition parties are doing what they can, but they seem to have been stonewalled on this. Um, you know, it just seems in our in our country and in, in in our system, um, it shouldn't be possible for the government to just say no, we're not doing this, um, and there's no way to sort of compel them to come forward with this information. Where do we go from here? Well, I think this is part of the core is how we treat national security in this country. We don't have a national security culture, not within the federal government and not within the bulk of agencies. That, that there, There's nothing in terms of the, the, the predisposition, for instance, that you get in Australia, the United States, the United Kingdom um, on uh, on these types of issues. And so what this is emblematic of, that we actually need an, 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 an institutional cultural shift to make sure we take national security issues much more seriously, to understand that our adversaries uh, Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, a host of other countries are pressing us hard on every vulnerability that they can find, political, economic, biosecurity, cyber, diplomacy, whatever it might be, and that we are under constant duress um, and that we can't treat these as sort of isolated incidents that might be, but rather to understand that these are the tip of the iceberg uh, of a completely, of an international and national security environment that has fundamentally changed, uh, that China, with its um, um, United Front activities in Canada is extremely active at undermining Canadian democracy, at interfering with our democratic processes and infiltrating our, our public and our private institutions. And so I think that is the takeaway lesson here, and I think that's a conversation that I'm not sure the government of today is entirely prepared to have. Well, that's the thing, Christian, when we take a look at um, the Liberal government's record on China, and we've talked a lot about all the things you're talking about, cyber, education, politicians, all these sorts of ways that they're exerting influence, it seems the federal government is 
either naive or not wanting to deal with this, uh, you know, for what it is. Is there anybody in Ottawa that's working to say, hey, guys, pay attention here. Like you say, we're under constant duress. Is anybody recognizing that and putting in anything to try and protect Canadians? Yeah, so I think listeners who want to learn a bit more might want to pull up the redacted annual report of uh, of CSIS, the Canadian Security and Intelligence Service, um, as well as CSE, so uh, our Signals Intelligence Agency, the Communication Security Establishment, and the last couple of years of the annual reports of the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians, all of which are available online. And I think what you'll see in those, in particular this year for the first time, uh, the CSIS report and the CSIS director subsequently in a uh, in in a public discussion uh, for the first time in over 20 years explicitly named China um, as an adversary that's actively working to undermine us. And so that in itself is a significant shift because since uh, the Khetian government shut down the Sidewinder project, it hasn't really been possible for CSIS to talk publicly about China as a, as a threat and as an adversary. So I do think there is a shift underway in Ottawa. I think the intelligence and security entities are pushing back, but as I say, they're pushing back against the culture whereby by and large, security intelligence is not a priority, um, and that's not baked into the way we do things uh, in Ottawa, in other departments, and in other ministries, uh, let alone sort of for Canadian society to actually take stock of the fact that uh, that this is happening. And so I think it'll, um, it'll take continued awareness um, uh, by the public, but I think in a democracy, it's also up to the public ultimately to make this an issue. And I think the government just the fact that you and I are having this conversation shows that it is becoming an issue and that I think the government is working hard trying not to make it an issue for the election. And I think the opposition is making a point out of trying to make it an election issue. So we will see uh, whether, uh, to what extent, uh, Canadians believe that um, uh, this should be part of the democratic mandate of uh, whichever party forms the next government. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope it's on it's on the radar of Canadians for sure. Christian, thanks so much for your insight this morning. Always appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, that's Christian Luprecht, who is um, a professor at the Royal Military College and at Queen's University.